wings, listen up. Today's run is vitally important to our cause. Set your frequencies to Dice Time, a Star Wars Legion podcast and part of the Legion Academy Collective. Your lead wing captain today will be Ben Gedron, and your support ship leader will be Paul Watson. Let's show them what we're made of, Rebels. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dice Time. I'm Ben Jetron. I'm Paul Watson. And we have entered 2023. And, Paul, we have made it. This is our year. We've made all sorts of lucrative bank from our heist. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing awesome. Yeah. We took that whole month off of vacay because we got payday, and now everything is okay. Because we got the intel from last month. We told you we were going to be going on a heist. We were going to get those new rule changes and that we were going to have them before anybody else. And I can totally promise you with no lies at all that we totally, definitely, for sure got those before anybody else. But due to the recording schedule, we wouldn't have gotten it to you out before it was published anyway. But just know we definitely, totally had those documents before anyone else. Totally, for sure. No lie. No cap. Right, Paul? Back me up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we uh, turned that money into our employers, and we uh, we we got our bank. We took some nice trips to uh, scenic Scarif, where we were abruptly turned around and told to leave because it was a uh, militarized zone. Uh, we went to scenic Canto Bight, where we proceeded to lose all of that money very quickly, and now we're back. And because we're good smugglers, we still have those sweet rules documents. So we'll be able to at least talk it over with you. So in case you got all that intel and you're like, wow, what do I do with it now? Uh, we can at least break that down for you a little bit. Uh, one other thing we're going to be doing is we're going to talk about uh, Paul and I are both confirmed for Adepticon. So dice time to Adepticon. Let's do it. This is, this is Paul's what what Adepticon is this for you, Paul? Oh, gosh. Uh, that many, huh? Four, four or five. Okay. Five? This will be my first Adepticon. So much like we did for Paul, where we showed Paul the ropes of Gen Con, now he'll be doing the same for me with the, with Adepticon. And well, luckily for me, the pressure is much less because it's a much smaller convention. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I've heard. You were like, wow, Adepticon's nice and big and all, but Gen Con's so much bigger. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's a I mean, animal. Yeah, Adepticon. You can you can see like for instance the vendor hall. You could walk around it in you know maybe an hour an or hour. two, yeah, okay. and you can't. You have to go all day. Yeah, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and you still won't see everything. Oh no, for sure. You'll go. You'll go vendor hall day two and be like, wow, I missed this. How the heck? So we've got rules. We've got Adepticon. We'll talk about, and then we've also got uh, Paul's event. Paul's a, it was an Escalation League, right? Yeah, Escalation yeah. League. So that'll be, so we're gonna, that. Yeah, so we'll go through that. Maybe tips if you want to run your own Escalation League. That'll be great, too. Before we get started, the only thing that I need to, a little little tiny plug here, is uh, two things. One, I'll formally announce now that because we're both going to Adepticon, I have printed off another wave of all of the Alt-Art Bounty Hunter cards from the Dice Time Alt-Arts Wave 2. So Boba Fett, Bosk, Cad Bane, I've got all the decks sealed and in my hand right now. So those are going to be 
anybody who's going to Adepticon, anybody who sees Paul or I at Adepticon, we can hook you up with those cards. The other thing, which is also related note, the guy who won the mug from Friday Night Fights' end of the year, uh, end of the year big giveaway, Rich. Rich, I tried to reach you on Discord, but I have not, uh, but I've not heard back, unfortunately. But don't worry, I do have your address, and I will get the package out, because the theme of Dice Time is, we're late, but now it's better! Because what it's gonna, what I'm gonna do is, uh, it wasn't originally included, I was supposed to send a mug and three stickers, but now that I have these cards in hand, I'm also gonna go ahead and just send you a pack, uh, a set of the cards as well, because, uh, A, I've made you wait, and B, they're here, why not? So. I'm going to I'm going to include that in the uh, in the giveaway. So your giveaways later, but it got better. Such is the Dice Time way. Dice Time is the guy that shows up 30 minutes to an hour late into the party, but brought two full cases of beer. Yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've got that going for us. So uh, we got that out of the way. I just want to say, Paul, that I've played a handful of games with these new rules, but uh, before we talk about those new rules, I know that you've been playing some Legion as well, and some of them were before the new rules, which is, you know, just fine, because that was a perfectly good game. But now we've got the Escalation League, which I'm surprised that, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised that some people haven't heard the concept of. So before we dive deep into what you did and what you played and everything, would you mind just quickly going over the concept behind what is an escalation league. Yeah, um it it is interesting. I haven't seen as many in Legion, so I was excited to play it as uh, in Legion, but I have played it in other game systems. You know, and and the whole premise of an escalation league is starting off smaller, so it's more accessible to especially newer players. Um, or if you want to play a new faction that you're just getting into or something like that, so you don't have to get together like this giant army, right, to play all at once for this one event or Mm -hmm. just even a game. Um, So for this specific one, for Legion, we started at 500 points at the skirmish level, which, uh, you know, if you play Legion, know a little bit about Legion, or if you don't, the... Like the core sets, the core boxes, um, the battle force boxes, those are great ways to have like a starting 500 point army, um, and have enough to play, to get to the table and play a game. And then you can add from there. Um, so an escalation league for us, we went up just by a hundred points every week. So we started at 500 and then, uh, week two it was 600, week three, seven. Week four, 800. And then we started going into higher than that too. We went from 800 to 900 to 1000 just to make things a little different and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just get to try out new stuff and play in a little bit different way. Um, you know, played, we played the 500 point objectives and on the small board for the first, uh, couple of weeks. And then once we got to 700 points, we actually played on a, full size, you know, 800 point, uh, map and, uh, went from there on the, on the bigger map. So, um, again, escalation, just an easy way to slowly add, um, to an army and you can, you can stick with one or like for me, I've 
always just want to try so many different things. I played a different faction every week um, <laughs> just to, to try some stuff out. Um, well, it's good. You, get, you know, you branch out and try everything once at least. Yeah, so I was um, I, I was happy to get some new stuff to the table because they're – I always use leagues and events as uh, an excuse and an opportunity to put something new either together or get something to the table that I haven't played. Um, so I, I was able to do that a little bit in in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Or, or pull out some – I was able to pull out some units that I haven't played in a long time and had some fun with some some units that don't always get to the table. So that was, that was nice. a good time too. So, yeah, we started at 500 points. Um, I guess for um at least for the first few weeks my uh the thing that I went for in a lot of my lists was Pierce. Just uh <laughs> just Pierce just, is good. Yeah, I, Pierce was never you know, not good. Yeah, just negating if someone rolls really well against you and you can just be like, well, at least I got one or two through. <laughs> it right. feels a little less bad. Um <laughs> but I also um so with that theme of playing things that I haven't gotten to the table for a while. So I actually hadn't played Han since they changed. Um, oh, since they gave him uh, Steady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So hadn't played it. And the low since, profile change. Yeah, since before that time Man. frame. So had been a long time. So I ran a 500-point list that had um, Han, Chewie, of course, right? Like, cause you mm-hmm. run those together. Um, and then I had two trooper units, one rebel trooper with the, I call it the shotgun, the, um, the two red, two white impact the, one. Yeah, uh, I want to, I want to call it, hang on, I'm not going like to look, the SX21. Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm going to call it. Now I'm going to look and make sure that I'm wrong. I, yeah, I can't remember what the number is. SX something, 17. That's what I'm guessing. All right. <laughs> Um, and the final result, brrr, 21. I was right. Uh, you were right. Yay. Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, it's been a while since I've played with some of these models. <laughs> so put that on the table. Cause again, we're playing skirmish. Like I didn't need oh, yeah. a close super range. range, like close range stuff. Like lot, I like that weapon. It's got a lot of dice on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in general. Then, um, I had a unit of fleet troopers and then I had a bus to put them in. <laughs> so. Beep, beep. Yeah, so again, lots of Pierce. You know, you got Han with Pierce. You got Chewie with Pierce. Scattergun you got, with Pierce. Yeah, you got the Scattergun with Pierce. It yep. was quite good. And then good the bus, the bus giving out aims and just being a shielded armored, armored target. Uh, so I, uh, I played against Empire and he had two units of Death Troopers. I think two units of, I think it was Shore Troopers. And then, uh, Krennic. Okay. And the, you know, I tell you who is good against Death Troopers is oh, Han, Han Solo. Han Solo loves <laughs> real good against Death Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I spent, I, I thought that it was going to be too little too late because I spent I think it was, it wasn't till turn three, I think, when Han was able to get a shot off at anybody. Because oh, I yeah. ran, I ran him around like a, 
rocky outcrop, but then he proceeded to, you know, just take out four Death Troopers a turn oh, yeah. for the rest of the game. Uh, so he pretty much wiped out both the Death Trooper squads by himself by while Chewie yeah. Chew, <laughs> Chew was sitting back just shooting at the shore troopers, taking, you know, a couple out every turn with him, and then the fleet troopers joined in that that fun. And um, yeah. I, en- I ended up tabling him. It was it was brutal with all the pierce and just cutting through all of the the stormtrooper armor and stuff. Um, yeah, I have a dedicated Han list in skirmish that is very uh, that'll crash into you pretty hard. Yeah, Han, uh, Han's Han, very punchy. Han, Chewie, a unit of Wookies with the battle shield, and then I got a long range unit of Pikes, and then I have a veteran with an extra body and a Mark II. And yeah, did you put did you put up close and personal on Han? I was just about to mention up close and personal <laughs> because that is such a good card on him. And, uh-huh. um, That's the first card you take on him. Oh, it's so or the so, only so if you don't good. take anything else. That's especially you when you have sure. token sharing, right? Like yep. with, with Chewie, with like Chewy. it just gives them if they're close, they're just getting so much. Those those dodges on Han when. Being able to get two dodges in a turn and then also have the re-rolls on his defense is just mm-hmm. – and then the low profile on top of that. It's just – it's so much mitigation um, for someone who has white saves. You you would think that he could go down really quickly, but, man, with all of that, it's it, it seems – uh, he's fairly easy to keep I, him alive once he's in range to start shooting. Yeah, I was going to say, I played a game against somebody who uh, I played Han and Chewie, and we were playing Breakthrough, and I was, like, getting Han toward the end. He was just walking up the board, taking out four models a turn, and as he got near the end, uh, my opponent was shooting him, like, just about every round. But, like, he almost never got it. He, he maybe got one wound or two wounds by the end of the game. And he, like, he always had, because he had, always had a full stack of, like, three dodge tokens on him yep. at any point because of him and Chewie, like, sharing those do- tokens between each other. Absolutely. Uh, and it, was, it was, like, my and my opponent was just like, man, it's almost not worth shooting Han anymore. <laughs> like, I almost yeah. feel like I got to shoot this other stuff because I, I could actually kill it. I can't even kill Han now. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, yeah. it's it's really it's really good um with all that token sharing and then you still have you know Han's one pip that is just oh, yeah. really good. <laughs> and, um you know passing those tokens with Chewie and all of that it, it's just yeah, it's a solid solid uh unit there and that yeah, that steady really helps Han mm-hmm. get out there and it just helps with his mobility, right? Cuz he gets yeah. to just run and gun all day long. Uh, which is really nice for him. So that was um, my first round. My second round, um, I played a 600-point. I changed over to Empire and played um, an Op Vader list. And I um, played against a – I guess I can go over my list first. I had uh, Op Vader – uh, choke into the fray, saber throw, tenacity. I had a snowtrooper unit with flamers and impact grenades. I had a stormtrooper with uh HH12 and the stormtrooper specialist. I really like that loadout. And then I had a scout uh, strike team, an E-Web blaster team, and a gav tank with uh, Price and 
the DLT-19 Pintle at 600 points. Gav and Vader in the same list? Yeah. I've never Uh, heard of a list like that, and I definitely won't mention it when we briefly mention LVO. (laughs) So... I, the, so the and here I had you know I had the eweb and the gav like I was doing that and I was essentially adding that as one threat and then Vader as the other threat, yeah. um, and honestly okay so I played against a clone list it had two RTs um, I believe they had laser cannons on them both if I'm remembering correctly um, he had Rex as his leader. And I believe it was four units of phase twos. So lots of tanky, tanky units. Uh, unfortunately for my opponent, it was a one man show. It was all Vader all, Vader. all the time. Yep. It like <laughs> he turn, turn one, he cleaned up an RT that had taken shots from. The Gav tank. Now, I will say he took out my E-Web before it got to go in the first round. So that was rough. Um, he had that down before I could go, and he was already chunking away at some of my, uh, I think it was my Snowtrooper unit that was moving up. So they were taking a beating, and then he was also hitting my Stormtroopers with the HH-12s pretty hard, too, with all of his clones. Um, he had some mortar team. I think he had two mortar teams and two Z-6s in those Phase 2s. Um, so he had that, that, like, critical in there, too, on those mortar teams and was just hitting me from really long range. He was he was outranging me, <laughs> even though I was Empire. It was it it hurt a lot. Well, Vader's um, literally no range, so that makes sense. Yeah, so Vader was able to with saber throw clean up a RT that had been hit by other parts of my army. So killed the RT in the first turn, and then proceeded to kill one to two full units a turn for the rest of the game. Um it the I think it was turn two, he was able to wipe a squad except for one guy, and then turn three is where it got really gross. Um and he was able to do um implacable and have a double turn where he choked the one guy that was remaining that he was in base contact with and then double moved into a charge on another unit and wiped all of oh. all but one of them again mm-hmm. and then when he went on his second turn choked that guy, choked that guy. and then went Did into another unit yeah and killed uh, almost all of them move. yeah and so and then from then on out it was just Every round, he was wiping an entire unit. The next, after the implacable turn, the next turn was the um, uh, Vader's Might, and I picked up and moved a unit, killing two guys out of the six in that unit, and then he double moved into another unit and killed all but one in that full unit, and so it was Man. just like it was just clean up at that point, um, you know, with the force choking guys and. Mm-hmm. It was, I was just like, man, Vader is just going to town. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> he is, he can be really, really good. So yeah, when we, uh, chat about, I know there's a lot of hype out there, uh, right now about that, that LVO list that <laughs> had Op Vader in there. He's, I've heard, he's, I've heard that it's been called the people's champion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he he can be very good, and again, he he was a one man show. Pretty much took out almost an entire six hundred point list by himself, and <laughs> that list. Man, that's, has, that's Luke and Vader, though. Oh yeah, for sure. Both of them, both of them can very much one man one man show it. Well, so uh, that'll segue into my next one. Since you're mentioning Luke, I uh, for for the seven hundred point list. But wait, uh, you already played Rebels. I know I did already play Rebels. Oh, well, I, okay. I played him again because of the way my I, my matchups. I had like one at the end of the week and then one at the beginning of the next week, and I didn't have time to get uh, stuff ready like I wanted to. So oh. I pulled out my my trusty Rebels that I have ready to go. So uh, I will say too with that Op Vader, I also tabled that opponent. So well, you're just a table and fool. Yeah, it, which I feel like doesn't happen as often in Legion. So it it's been gross. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even table people that often in Legion, so it's just been really nasty uh, with all the Pierce in there. You sound like two and zero right now. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm into round three, and my uh-huh. my opponent is joking with me as we start. He's like, "So I've heard you've tabled everybody so far." <laughs> He's like, "My goal is to just not get tabled at this point." And Noble goal. Like, oh boy, here we go. Noble goal. Um, so I had. I had Rebels, my trusty combo that I just love to run so much, Luke and a land speeder. <laughs> it's uh. just, I love it. It's a, just a Luke delivery system. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so nice. Um, so the land speeder has my leader with Shriv. I love having him in there with Luke passing out that dodge token to Luke. Uh, for free and then just hanging out by him. I I do kind of like a budget land speeder. It's got Shriv, uh the rifle gunner, the Mark II on it, and I do the shield shield droid on it as well. The Is that really budget though? It's like a hundred points. Oh well that's just because it's cheap. Yeah, like it <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have like that extra heavy weapon, but it has yeah, a nice fine. it has at, at range two which is pretty easy for it to get into. Um, it has four white, four black. Like it's yeah, a nice, good. it's a nice dice pool. You can get things out of cover very easily with it because you know it's a, it's got that free move every round um, with the compulsory. It's easy to get Luke in there very quickly. Gives him cover and protection on the way in. Shriv gives him a dodge token um, as well, so he gets that extra ability to deflect and all of that. So that I run that one that a lot. Um I had two rotary cannon RTs in that list. And then I had a smattering of rebel troopers with uh some repair droids. I think I had three of them with repair droids on them. And then if I'm remembering correctly, I had one unit of Pathfinders, um, something that I normally oh. don't take. And I did not take Biston, which I normally do. I actually took POW with uh, this list um, <laughs> and was kind of using that as like an objective grabber. We were playing um, Sabotage for this one. For this league, we had all the objectives um like you knew what you were playing before you went in there, so you could kind of build Ooh, a okay. list if you wanted to, um, tailored towards that. Um, and I was just like, you know what? That's not a bad one for POW. And again, this is before the rule changes. So, you know, just being able to infiltrate 
on a evaporator that's tucked away somewhere and you can just start getting points. I was like, I'm just going to do that with my pathfinders and then I'll just run them in as some, you know, some long range support, um, if need be with them. So, uh, that was, that was my list. It wasn't nothing really fancy, just again, relying on Luke and, um, Luke really, uh, did not disappoint again. It was, it was pretty brutal. I, um, I got some lucky shots early on. My opponent was playing another Empire list. He had a tank, a Death Trooper unit, two Dewbacks, an Officer, and I want to say it was four Stormtrooper units. Okay. That were like full Stormtrooper units. They had He had two Medics, two Repair Droids, and they all had T-21s. So okay. critical, like uh, yeah, critical. They're like, so hey. good. They're so good. Um, that critical weapon is really, really good on those stormtroopers. So mm-hmm. I was a little nervous because you know that kind of negates some of the cover for Luke. I can't dodge crits. Like there's a lot of things that I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> um, the dewbacks can easily get in your face, and my I have rebel troopers. Like they're gonna go down, you know, pretty yep. quickly to to that. So I got kind of lucky in the first round and I threw some, some dice at a dewback, um, with one of my attacks and ended up getting three wounds in on it in one of the attacks. I, I believe it was with, uh, um, the land speeder was able to come up and get all that in and I wasn't expecting that. So it went from full health down to half really fast. And so then I just kind of focused on it a little bit more and was able to um, get it down to just two wounds. And then I used Luke to saber throw it and take it out um, from nice. inside the land speeder. So he was there in cool. activation turn one that I wasn't <laughs> expecting. I was like, oh, my gosh, like that should not have happened that way. I will say his saves were not great to start off this game and it really it really showed. It was it was a rough time. Sorry. Um I think he then shut down my Luke turn 2. I used full of surprises, which is man, it's got to be one of the best cards for Luke. Um and he used um pin down and so he got to go first and he shot the order token off of Luke. Um, but Luke having all of those extra dice, even with his order token off and being like that token being back in my bag and just having to be at the mercy of drawing. Um, every time he rolled damage through and got some through on Luke, I was able to just block it with all those extra dice. Um, yeah, it was – Luke was rolling really hot. I think at the end of that second round, I think Luke had only taken two wounds and his entire army had shot at Luke. <laughs> um, and so that just gave me free reign to start, you know, chipping away at other things. Um, Luke was not able to do anything because I ended up spending the turn just recovering because I believe – um, I barely rolled off enough suppression that he didn't panic, so he was at like uh six or something uh suppression mm-hmm. and so I had to recover because i otherwise I wasn't gonna be doing a whole lot with Luke for a while um so I just spent the turn recovering um with him, but again, with the extra dice, 
I was able to then get extra dice for the final few shots of the turn and just block everything. And so um, Luke was able to tank a lot. And then after that, it was it was what you kind of expect from Luke. He just he was in the lines of stormtroopers and just cutting them up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing Son of Skywalker, you know, stuff like that. And you know, in the meantime, my RTs are just essentially cleaning up what Luke is leaving behind. Luke and the land speeder are leaving behind, um, you know, cause they're, they've now plopped in positions where they can just aim and shoot, you know, their five black dice with that surge to crit is really nice. Um, and just punching through there as the rest of my, you know, rebel troopers are just kind of moving up and repairing my RTs as needed, um, and taking crazy pot shots cause they don't have any heavy weapons or anything. Right. Um, but it's been enough to add suppression and um, ended up panicking one unit off the board just because of the volume of suppression that I put on them. <coughs> and again, before the rule changes here. So yeah, it was just one of those things. And it got to a point where the the game was over and he, like he, he knew it. I knew it. There was no, we were we were still having a good time. He was taking the dicing like a champ because he was not rolling well on defense and it was just not going his way. And we we were still having a good time, luckily. And I was like, you know what? You said it at the beginning of the game. I am gonna I'm gonna not go for the objectives right now and just try to table you. Oh. <laughs> And he heartbreaker. I know, and he survived with um the unit leader for the Death Troopers. Um, uh, I forget the name of it. Not the DLT, obviously the the one that is the the leader um that has the two wounds survived on one wound, and that was the only model left on the table <laughs> at the end of the game. Hey, just so just because, it. again, like, Luke went to town. It was just another game. It was it was like a repeat of the Vader, except it was Luke this time, um, and he was just doing whatever he wanted. Um, and no matter what he threw at Luke, I think Luke was only at, like, four or five of wounds or something like that by the end of the game and he was just every turn putting everything he could into luke because he was like if i can kill luke maybe i can survive and like do something sometimes people just go for the moral victory yeah and it just it wasn't happening like if he would have killed luke it i don't know if i had enough damage output uh to do much more to his army but it would have been we would have been fighting over one of the VAPs that was kind of in the middle of our army. So it would have just, it just would have come down to who was able to get it. Um, and my units were dwindling pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, he, again, it was, it was a fun game. Um, we had, we had a good time. Uh, I mean, overall I had another match that, um, honestly, we, we still have not been able to get in place yet. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting for that one. I okay. have, I have some droids ready to go for that one. So I'm excited because I haven't, I like never play droids. So still, still waiting on, yeah, on a couple more games, uh, for that one. Um, I play yeah, my it's, droids it's been... vicariously through others. Yeah. <laughs> I have two friends that, that all they play is droids. So I'm just like, 
and sometimes they have to borrow my druid. So I'm just like, okay, well, at least my druid sees some table time, and it, it looks like as if what it would happen if I played them. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. That's how I got stuck on playing Rubble so often is because at the beginning of the game, everyone was playing Empire, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll play Rebels then, so we're not having a bunch yeah, of weird well, matches, that's, that's and then, too. like, yeah, just stuff. <laughs> it's just like, well... And then we were like, wow, Rebels, Rebels are the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's been it's been fun uh, playing in that Escalation League, and again, it's, it's, it's interesting playing at some different point levels, just because it's not what you're used to playing at, right? It's not 500, it's not 800 all the time. Right. There's a weird so, mix where now you have to think about other dynamics of points. Yeah, and so, like, if there's a Saber user in there, how do I deal with that at 600 points? How do I deal with that at 700 points? Or, you know, um, sometimes having that mixture of different units is it, you're able to get a little bit more in than you would. Like, at 500 points, sometimes I feel like, man, if I just had, like, 50 more points like I could get yeah. this ex- these extra couple of things in that I would really like to use and so playing at 600 points is really interesting um, being able to get those few extra pieces that you wanted in there um, and even at like 700 it's not quite that full army that 800 feels and so like in that army like yes I had Luke but man, all those rebel troopers didn't have anything on them except for some astromechs. Like they were, there's a lot of, I felt like useless units in that army that with just that extra hundred points, I could have given some heavies to yeah, or, or, some or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. It's, it's fun to play at those different point levels and. And if you have a like a newer community or some people who are again just getting into the game or people who are trying new factions, I would encourage an escalation league. It's fun. There's not a lot of pressure, you know. People, I mean, at least in my area, we're not taking it like as super serious as far as right <coughs> their list building and all of that. And so it was it was a good time. People getting different stuff to the table than they normally would, um, and yeah. Like I said, uh, the one guy was playing clones and had mortars on the table. Like, I can't even tell you when I've seen a mortar on the table. I think I ran them once, like, early on and hadn't seen them for a long time. So it was fun seeing the phase two mortars on the table and, um, you know, things like that. So I I would encourage anybody who has that opportunity to get their group together and do uh, an escalation league. And we tend to do like an event at the end of our leagues when we have them we will do a league where we run you know four to eight weeks depending and then we will have uh like a a tournament like we normally would and lots of times it will incentivize the people who uh, have been participating in the league and there'll be different prizes like at the event for like the league participation as well. So again, encourages all of that, uh, you know, kind of camaraderie and getting together in a different way. So people who can't always make tournaments can make the, the league games, but then those that, you know, couldn't commit to the league can still show up to an event and kind of see and hear what everybody was doing and, and all of that. So it's, it's a good time. And I think our group enjoyed it. Nice. I think that's nice. I think there should be more escalation leagues. 
I like it. Well, I'd like to see an escalation event where you like start yeah. at five hundred. Start points you start and, the day at five hundred, and yeah, that could I could totally see that like a four round event or a three round event that you just go up in points each time. Yeah, yeah just add, yeah at a even if you went like five hundred, eight hundred, what like twelve hundred or something like that. Yeah, or even, like or even went up to cases. the yeah, just uh, I mean, because you know when you you're getting to that bigger army scale and you start adding, you know. Oh, well, now I can Got put it. these armor pieces and the Jedi in there. True. And like, yeah. So Although just... what I'd almost, what I'd almost think to do just because you've been to events where you're playing three or four rounds of Legion in a day, it'd almost be better to go in reverse and do a de-escalation league. So start it, play a 1200 point game. Round two is 800 points. And then when you're tired, now you're just playing a game of skirmish at the end. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> that would be fun though. Like, do, yeah, doing it the other way around. Start big, and then it's kind of like, uh, kind of like a war, right? Like the attrition. Yeah, your guys like are, your your guys forces are, are dwindling. Yeah, <laughs> you only got so many forces left. Yeah, that's that's fun. I I also like adding in in leagues like that. Um, scenarios where if you have like a unique character and they die in a game that you can't play them. For the yeah, rest of the time, like you have to like replace them. Yeah, because yeah. it makes you play a little different with them. Like you might not be as aggressive with Luke because he's risk die, like the risk of him dying, and then you not being able to use him the rest of the day. Maybe you go hide him instead and sacrifice <laughs> some other units so he can live. And yeah, it's in- interesting things like that that you can do just to change it up a little bit. You can still have the still play the game like of Legion with the core mechanics and stuff, but just add uh, some new dynamics to the game is always fun speaking of adding new dynamics to the game perfect transition paul this new intel the rules changes we've got almost a new game of legion um so let me get so as i peruse these papers let me get this straight you haven't played any new games of legion since these dropped did you i have not but you know what that's okay because I have, and most of these changes are pretty clear, question mark? It's okay. If you're new to the game or you're uh, old to the game, you might need this discussion more if you're old to the game, honestly. But um, that's uh, that's what I found, at least. I found new players. Like, I've already taught, like, one or two people like who are new, and I'm teaching them with the new mechanics, and it's kind of hard because I don't totally grasp all the new interactions. But... Uh, I found, you know, they pick it up really easily. The game does, as a whole, seem to be a little bit more intuitive. There are a couple gripes that we have here and there, but that will be, uh, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, so, I think yeah. as as with any changes, right, there's going to be some that we like, some that we dislike, and that's going to change from person to person. And, um, you know, and some of it's like initially you might dislike it, and then you're like, as you played a little bit, like you said, you realize, well, this is a lot more intuitive. It makes the game flow yeah. a lot better. It makes sense. Like, I might not like the change. I might have liked the other rule better, but I also understand, like, where we're at. Or the other way around, right? You might think, like, at first, yeah, I, li- I really like this change. And then as you play, you're like, well, hmm, it's a little different than I thought. Like, it didn't well, quite, quite actually, pan out no. the way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Like, I mean, there's... There's always going to be things that people are going to like and dislike, and there's only so much we can do about it. So here we are. (laughs) 
So I'm going to go ahead and hit the big. I think if you're if you're an old player and you're if you're an old dog trying to learn new tricks, I'm going to try to go over the big sweeping differences that make the big sweeping changes in Legion, and then we'll go over just a, we'll like quick bullet point a couple of quality of life changes. So uh, these when I when I hit these. These are going to sound like I'm just going down the articles that they posted and saying these are the changes. Well, here's the thing. Now we actually have the rule book. We can see all those interactions and we have examples. So we not, so we're not just saying, you know, here's half of what this new interaction will be. And then we'll tell you the rest later. I'm not, we're not doing that now. Now we can actually talk the whole thing out. So, uh, suppression and panicking. Um, you now are going to become panicked the moment that you hit that threshold of double your courage, you know, or, or, you know, commander still matters for that, but you, it's now no longer waiting until you roll and rally to see if you're panicked. Then you're now technically considered panicked. As soon as you hit that courage threshold, whether it be yours or double yours or double your commanders, if you're in range, whatever uh, you are technically considered panicked at that moment. Now, the only thing is that panicking is now different than the way it used to be. So the way that it used to be is when you became panicked, you would only have one action. Or Okay, so you'd rally step, you'd try to roll off your suppression, and if you failed, you panicked. Now you're considered panicked. You would then only get one action because you're also technically suppressed. You would try to move off the board at your full speed, and then if you made it off the board, you would be dead. You would be done. That's it. That guy or that unit, would be whatever, would be gone. Uh, now, no longer the case. So now, if you were, you, you would rally at the start of your activation, you don't make them, you panic. So now what you do is you take no actions, you do not move, and you remove, uh, th then the end of your activation happens because you didn't do anything, and you remove suppression tokens equal to your courage value. So if I were a rebel trooper unit, and I had four suppression on me, and I was panicking, and I ended my activation after panicking, I would remove one because that's my courage value. So uh, that happens. Furthermore, panicked units and objective tokens they have claimed cannot be used to satisfy victory conditions on an objective card, which means, and I've already had this done to me, unfortunately, uh, I had a rebel trooper unit or a veteran unit leader who needed to do two moves in order to be the only scoring unit for breakthrough. Now, in the old ways, what I would have done is started my activation with him, uh, done the two moves, and then if my opponent, say, like he did, played Given to Your Anger and chose that unit, so I would say go with that unit, I'd do the two moves, and then from Palpatine's card that he played, I would have gained four suppression. And then... But it wouldn't have mattered because I would have already gone. And then at the end of the game, I'm in the zone. I count. That was on the old way. On the new rules, what happened is when I played that card, when I played those, when we played those cards, I should say, and he chose me, Palpatine's card is like you do an attack on your activation or you gain four suppression. So what happened is I needed to do those two moves to get there. So if I did that, like I did in the previous version, if I did those two moves, and then got those four suppression tokens later, I'm going to be panicked by the end of the game. There's no opportunity for me to remove suppression off me anymore, so I'm technically considered panicked at that moment. So by the end of the game, which, like, that was the last round, at the end of the game, 
I'm going to be considered panicked. That means I cannot satisfy victory conditions on the objective card, which means my unit does not count. So if you're holding a box, if you're holding a key position, and you get up to your panicking threshold in that last turn before you go again, you're not going to count for the objective. Now, what that means for boxes, there's a weird interaction with boxes now, because when you become panicked outside of your turn, you don't drop your box right then and there. Uh, you're still going to wait until you activate, and then when you rally, if you fail that and you're panicked during your activation, that's when you would drop an objective like a hostage or a box. Um, if you waited until after that, if you were panicked after uh, you went, like, say it's round six, you had a box, you do your activation quick, you just, like, dodge and move, whatever, and then you get shot by, like, your opponent's whole army then, and you have, like, ten suppression uh, you're going to be considered panicked at the end of that game, and that box that you're holding is not going to count. So you're still going to be holding it because you didn't activate again to have a chance to drop it, but you're not going to count for the objective. So panicking now has a really weird interaction with uh, with objectives. Yeah, that adds a really interesting dynamic to a uh, thing, especially towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. You really have to be on your toes at the end of the game. Yeah, paying attention to what level of suppression you have on there and, and you the know, something, feeling of what can be. Yeah, and something that before it was like you could just activate your unit and you're like, okay, well, I'm safe because there's no way they can panic because I won't activate them. Right. Before but now the end of the can. game. But now they still can. So it really it takes away that level um, at the end of the game of well, I'm done with that unit, I don't have to worry about them. Whereas now it's like, no, your opponent can still really uh, put some pressure on a specific unit that is scoring Mm -hmm. you some points. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as we continue to move forward. And yeah, as a reminder, if you're still within range three of your commander, you can still use your commander's courage, uh, you know, assuming you're of the same affiliation and whatnot. You can still use your commander's courage for... uh, considering if you're panicked or not. So, I mean, that remains the same, which I'm very glad for. Uh, that w- Taking that away would have sucked. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, we kind of already went over this before, but uh, I wanted to go over to cover, determining cover and allocating wounds. Um, so they've broken down the full list of, you know, determining an attacking unit to a defender unit. You draw a line of sight. You draw range. You measure for, you look from each model and determine who can be shooters. You look at each model on the defender side, see who can be defenders based on that. And then you're going to, uh, do those attacks. The number of models that you can see is the number of, is the max ceiling of wounds that that, mo- that that unit can take, but it doesn't have to be those exact models that you see. And we talked more about this. Uh, in, I think, the last episode. I don't think it was the one before that. I think it was just the last one. Uh, where, you know, Paul gave an example where if you had a unit leader out and then you had eight dudes behind cover and your opponent shot you and could only see that unit leader and shot you and did 100 wounds, they're only going to do one wound, and it could be that one wound that's behind. Uh, it could be one body that you just pull off from behind a wall. Now, the flip side of that is if you wanted to attack with that unit, you're only going to attack with that one guy, and it kind of sucks. So uh, decide what you want to do with your units before uh, you arrange them, I should say. But um, basically what this eliminates is getting rid of uh, 
terrain sniping, which was never a fun mechanic in the game. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It took away that terrain sniping. Um, at the same time, it added some extra dynamics of, uh, our movement, right? Like if you want to kill a unit or you, you want to make sure you're wiping out your opponent's chance at getting a certain objective, objective on a flank or something like that, you're actually going to have to move your units around in a way or move up in a way that you're going to be able to see those units. Right. In so it'll de- completely de-incentivized uh, gun line play. Yeah, it, yeah. It, so it's interesting. Not that you can't play the gun line. No, you you're just totally gonna. Can. It's just gonna be a little more difficult to completely wipe units off the board, right? Um, than it was before. Right. So we'll go from that. We'll go to climbing, which I feel like is a big change. Oh, actually, before climbing, my bad. Um, with determining cover, one of the big changes that happened was vehicles. So vehicles, the way that vehicles determine line of sight and cover, is you're now there's now vehicle silhouettes, which are basically a cylinder of the vehicle itself, not any people on it. So, uh, hello, I, I'm saying hi to you, uh, floating log speaker bikes. Um, but the cylinders that you would create those silhouettes when you're measuring from the vehicle to somebody, you're now measuring from every possible angle on that silhouette. And the highest cover that any of those would give is what that unit's going to get. So it's better explained visually, but imagine, if you will, barricades in a line. And about a foot behind that barricade line is an ATST. And maybe some of you have seen this picture on the uh, Facebook page when it floated around. Now, maybe two feet in front of that barricade is a group of rebel troopers. So from the ATSC, from if you're looking at it from the head to those models, which is what you did in the last version, they would have no cover whatsoever because you can draw a clear line of sight. You can see their full base from, like, the gun, from the pilot, from the head, whatever part you, part you were measuring that made sense. You're measuring from that. They're in the clear. In these new rules, however, they are going to have heavy cover because you have to measure from every single part of the silhouette which includes the vehicle's feet. So if you measure from their feet to the troopers, well, they're clearly behind that barricade. You can maybe see their heads, but you can't really see anything else. So from that aspect, they would have heavy cover. And that me, and so by the new rules, that unit's going to have heavy cover because from one of those angles that you measured, the unit has heavy cover. And I know you're about to say it, Paul, and I'm about to say it too. This is the community's least favorite change, and I cannot defend it in the slightest. Yeah, I I can understand what they might have been trying to do, um, but the way it is playing out uh, it doesn't make sense for certain things like that situation that you just described, right? Doesn't make sense that an ATST would not be able to shoot over the top of a barricade. Well, um, it's like I don't know, and and you said you understand what they tried to do with it, but like honestly, I don't because I can because that's a glaring issue. Like the one the example I just described, that's like a glaring, staring you in the face issue with the rule change that you make. When you change it to that, you know that there's going to be some scenario where 
the part that's not where you're shooting from is going to now block you in some way. Like, if I'm shooting the AA-5 bus and I'm shooting, you know, the turrets on top of the thing, or maybe visually you would think the guns are at the front of this thing, and maybe I'm just far enough where I'm got you out of cover from around a corner of a building. However, my exhaust port, which has no weapons on it, is still around the corner of the building, so now you have heavy cover. So it's like, ah... I yeah, don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like the change at all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be plain and simple with it. I just, I don't like the change, and I don't think that there's a, the biggest hot take. There's no redeeming quality to, to this change. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't like the change. I, I, and here, and I'm maybe trying to give them some benefit of the doubt, and maybe it's not needed, but well, I appreciate <laughs> that you're trying. I I mean I think the goal was to try to make the vehicle piece a little more comprehensive. Unfortunately, I think the result um just ended up being a a poor design decision as far as how it's going right. to play out on, actually on the table cuz things like that yeah. just don't I mean Part of the reason that we would play these games, right? We love Star Wars. We right. love to get to the table and make our own, you know, kind of stories as we're playing and all of that. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in especially that scenario. I, I know a lot of people have seen that picture floating around, you know, on the, on the pages and stuff that you described. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that an ATST that is so tall in comparison to a trooper unit is not going to be bearing down on that unit. Right. Without them having heavy cover from a barricade that they're not even close to. <laughs> right. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense thematically and that's where I just don't, um, I don't like that change is because it's just- And this is the just, thematic podcast. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And so- Like, I, I guess they, I mean, before though, I think what they tried to simplify that they didn't like before was that you had to, with every vehicle that came out, you had to specify where the, like, looking point was. Yes. And I think they wanted to do away with that. Right. They wanted and, to simplify and, and where you could go from. And technically, they did that. I just don't think it was for the better whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly I, would rather have a document of every single vehicle in the game with every single looking point I should be looking from, just because I feel like that makes more sense than, like, thematically... And like, just from a from a not frustrating sta- like don't make this frustrating standpoint, that yeah, makes more for sense sure. to me. For sure. So, anyway, we'll go on to climbing real fast now. So climbing, uh, there is no more clambering in the game. Clamber, just dump the word out of your mind. It doesn't exist anymore, and you're never going to take wounds from climbing ever again. So climbing. Let's just, we're, we're tossing out everything we know about vertical movement. Toss out every keyword, you know, toss it all out. We're going to start from scratch. Climbing. To get up on height one terrain now, you can perform a climb action. It's a normal move. You have to use the speed one tool, so you reduce your speed, or if you're snowtroopers or Vader, uh, you just speed one move. Um, you're going to do a speed one move from the ground to that height one terrain. And 
make sure all your miniatures in that unit's bases are not overlapping the sides of a building. They're not overhanging. Uh, make sure they're all, they all make it on top of that terrain. And you've done it. You've done a climb. It's considered a move action. It's functions just like a normal move action. You're just climbing up. That's it. No more rolling dice for losing wounds. No more nothing. So that was a simple change. I can get behind it. Yeah, Actually, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. I don't. I don't mind that change. It's. Um, yeah. I know we talked about it a little bit. It's the change to climbing is fine because I think that the action of climbing, clambering, those kinds of things led to a lot of like feel bad moments in the yeah. game. Right? You clamber and you get an unlucky roll, and three of your six troopers die because you needed to use one action instead of two to get to where you needed to go. That doesn't feel good. No. Um, this feels much better. Yeah, or or even just like, oh, I have to spend both actions to move safely up. Like, that That just seems like a whole either. waste, no. right? Like, and get, so those, On average, you get 12 actions a game. I'm not going to waste two of them getting up onto this terrain. Right, and lots of times, even wasting one to get up on a piece of terrain is... Felt bad, yeah. Yeah, just felt bad sometimes. So um, I, I definitely don't mind that change. It's the, the next part of the changes that... Um, so... Those are <laughs> Expert Climber. Uh, so now what Expert Climber does is when you're doing that climb action, you can now do it up to height two instead of just height one. So instead of going from the ground to height one from your climb action, you could now go from the ground to height two in your uh, in your climb action. So you could go from ground to top of skyscraper in uh, height two. I'll say height two skyscraper, not height infinite. But height two skyscraper in one action. And that expert climber is usually given to you with things like grappling hooks. So it makes thematic sense. Um, scale. Throw out, again, everything you knew about scale before. It's gone. Here's what scale means now. Scale is the exact same as expert climber, with the added benefit of you are not slowed down when you go through difficult terrain. That is it. You do not use your full speed to go up when you do the climb action, nothing like that. You don't get a free climb action at the end of a move or anything like that. No, you just, you get to go up to height two instead of height one, like Expert Climber does. And separately, you are not slowed down by difficult terrain. So you can go full speed over barricades, you can go full speed through uh, craters or whatever difficult terrain you have on your boards. And that's scale. So, Paul, your thoughts on the new scale? Yeah, I don't I don't like the hit to scale in in this circumstance. It doesn't feel um, like it is good anymore. Yeah, it's fine, it, but like it doesn't feel as good. Correct. Yeah, and it just and the thing is I feel like the the units that it hurts are, you know, like the wookies, those kinds of things that mm -hmm. I don't know that they really needed to take that hit on them. Right. Them and Bosk and, yeah, and Grievous even. Uh, just, yeah, the units that have scale have been hit a little bit. But, like, here, and, and I heard a lot of people saying that they didn't like this and that here's what their change was. They were like, well, just make scale that you get to retain your speed when you go up on the height. Here's the thing. As soon as you do that, you now make jump like an almost useless keyword because scale then becomes better jump. 
because if you're using scale, like let's say you have scale side by side with a unit that has jump one. So I'm using, in this example, I'm using, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker who has jump one. And then I'm also using, uh, Bosk who has scale. So Bosk is going to be able to do full scale. Let's call in this made up scenario where you, he retains his speed. He would then move, do a two move up on that, on that height. And then Luke would do the same thing. Luke could do that move and uh, retain his speed too and do the jump. Now it's the exact same. Here's where the problem lies. Jump is a card action. Like you have to, you can't do it twice. Scale is unlimited. You can do it as much as you want. So boss could then go back down on the other side of that terrain at full speed, whereas Luke could not. So then to fix it, for for people to say fixing scale by just making scale they retain their full speed, it kind of breaks it because then it becomes way better jump. So then people who are, you know, scrambling to get on top of buildings and, you know, using their claws and their feet and whatever to, like, go up buildings are now faster and better than people who either use the force or jetpacks. And I don't like that idea. It, just from a thematic standpoint, I don't like that idea. I think people with the jetpacks and the force and everything should be the people who uh, go the go the farthest, go the fastest up and down terrain. So, yeah, and I know that this is probably a bigger change than they wanted to because of the way you know all their cards are printed. Right. But I would have liked to see them flip flop that and make jump not a card action, and then maybe oh, even make agree. scale the card action. If you so want, scale, yeah, I would honestly scale. be fine with that. Yeah, keep scale as where you can move your full distance and then move up terrain, but make it a once-per-turn ability and then make jump able to be used all the time. Now, I think the problem with that is then you I, – I think it gives almost too much mobility to force users who are already insanely mobile. Uh, so I don't know – like, I don't want to be the dampener on party on the party here, but uh, – Maybe they've tried that out and they're like, no, they're they're too fast, they're too good now. I don't know. So, oh yeah, no, I don't. I, there's a reason that those abilities right. are only a once per turn there action, right? <laughs> and it's almost apparent, and I'm sure that what isn't apparent is known behind closed doors, and it it makes sense to dad at the time, and you know when we grow up we'll understand. But that's what I have yeah. to tell myself on half of these on half of these things. I'm like, I don't know why this is this way, but you know, dad knows and. I don't know, but I'll know when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just interesting that, that this whole change is essentially because they did away with Clamber, they Everything kind of then... Waves and ripples of changes. Yeah, but then they couldn't go too far with it because otherwise it could be really kind of breaking yeah. if they went too far in one direction. So because of that, certain keywords and certain units kind of are suffering a little bit from the change. And notably and regrettably, jump does suffer a little bit from this because climbing is now just kind of a slow jump one. So yeah. it does it, it sadly, you know, jump is my favorite keyword in the game. Sadly, it's taken a little bit of a hit based on the new climbing rules. Not too much, but to some degree. 
Yeah, and the I guess the higher number jumps, like jump two is significantly better than yeah, which jump two's always been my favorite. So right, yes, <laughs> jump two. life. <laughs> yeah, so like that. That's interesting as you know you're looking at those keywords now and some of their differences and nuances. Um, yeah, just just a bit of a change there. Yep, yep. So I'm 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 very interested to see how boards are going like the the standard boards are going to change with elevation more more in mind because more troopers and everyone's going to be able to utilize uh you know walls buildings uh elevation in general walkways they're going to be able to utilize this a lot easier because now it's not a like you called it um well when we were talking about it the first time uh it's not a feel bad action anymore you know, climbing is now just a speed one move that gets you up on the terrain and you don't take any penalties or anything. It's like a it's just like a move action. So, I mean, like it's it really doesn't feel bad anymore to climb. And, you know, I've played this in practice. I've done it. It does not feel bad at all. You know, it gets me it's one speed one move. It doesn't take up my whole turn. I don't take any wounds. There's no risk of taking wounds. And now I've got elevation and it's it's not bad. And I could get down from it just as easy and like next turn. And not have like and not be super slow with it. Yeah, I definitely think that I think like you said about when people are building the boards, um, there was always that thing, at least for me in the back of my mind, okay, with this terrain placement, is like the middle box going to just be impossible? to get because of the height of climbing or does it give a certain unit like way too much of an advantage if they are right you know if the terrain is set up this way and i think that that's going to be less of an issue and it might even be more of a situation where you add pieces like that maybe you do have a big center piece where that box will be right up on top of the middle of you know, a Jabba's Palace looking, you know, Tatooine piece mm-hmm. that you do need jump to or the, you know, expert climber to get up there because now it's not terrible to get that. Yeah, now it's doable for everybody. Right. So it'll be so interesting to, to see, take like you said. Those upgrades as advantages. Yeah, yeah. So um, moving on from climb, we now have the pass mechanic, which we've kind of already known in full detail what that was, so I'm only going to briefly touch it. Um, basically, once per round each player, each player has the opportunity to pass. Those players only have access to doing that pass when they have fewer activation tokens remaining. So, at any point, if you have the fewer activations in the round uh, remaining, I should say, uh, you have the opportunity to do a pass, which is basically, you know, you don't activate anything, you don't draw any tokens, you just go back to your opponent. Um, and you're doing that, and and like I said, both players could pass in one round because of the way that it works, because it's activations remaining. It's not like at the top of the round, I've got 10 acts, Paul has 9, so Paul gets to pass whenever he wants this round. You know, that it, it's not it, it's not how it works like that. So Paul could pass while he still has those nine remaining. Let's say I activated a unit and then I'm down and now I'm down to nine and now he's at nine. 
let's say he takes one unit and this feels like a Paul, uh, this feels like a Paul Watson move. He does like in one activation, he takes out like two of my units that haven't even gone yet. So, so then nice, nice play, Paul. Uh, so now what, now what's happened is now I only have eight X and not even eight X because one of those X is already gone. So then two are down. So now I'm down to like seven and he still has nine, which he's finished one. Now he's at eight. Now I have fewer in the middle of the round. I have fewer. Now I can take the pass. We can only each pass once per round. So no matter how the activation number changes around, you're only ever each going to have the opportunity to pass in a round. And as much as people talked about the pass mechanic, Paul, so far from what I've seen in my experience, and that, and by experience I mean running one event, playing a couple weekly games, and then all of LVO, I've seen pass used, but not near as much as I thought I would. And I think because there's such a slight window of when you should tactically be using pass, uh, and maybe people just haven't really figured out exactly when to do it at some times yet, but to me there only feels like a couple niche times when you want to use pass. Yeah, I, I, to me, again, I haven't played any games yet with the new rules, and so I haven't played with pass mechanic yet. Um I'm interested to do so, uh, especially with, you know, a couple certain lists. Um, but I, off the top of my head, it seems like pass is gonna, you're gonna see pass, the pass mechanic be utilized more at the beginning of the games, especially from someone who maybe won the roll off and like really didn't want it. They want to see what their opponent's doing first and kind of react to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we can see it there. Um, I also foresee that it could potentially be utilized by armies that are going to fire support more often. Yeah, that's the other um, thing. So again, at first I was thinking, oh, well, Gar's really going to like that, right? Because they are going to have a lower activation count in general. But then I was like, oh, but they also fire support. But then I also thought about all the rebel units, you know, the, the Mark IIs that fire support. And then I thought about, you know, the Imperial units that fire support. And just thinking about adding those in there, um, it's gonna, it's interesting because it almost, I feel like, gives you a little more of something to think about when you're considering fire support. It's like, well, yes, well, if I fire support, yes, I'm missing out on an activation. But could this give me, uh, a pass then later, which kind of makes the, blow a little less severe than it right. was before. Sometimes when you fire supported and you're like, oh yeah, but that's now I have way less activations and I'm gonna have to put myself kinda out there in the future activations to hopefully get a good attack off here. Um so I think that will add some interesting dynamics with that. So um mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how it works. I know um there's past mechanics in other games that work uh very well. So I'll be interested to see as we, you know, utilize this rule more what the general kind of consensus is on if it's good or not um or just how much it's really used because i know we were talking about it earlier um a lot of times in this game i feel like once you get past turn you know one two a lot of times you're wanting to go first because you want to get the advantage of either, you know, snagging an objective and running away or you want to get that alpha Taking strike. Taking out somebody right yeah. before they go, yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't know how much it's going to come into play like you had already talked about. So I'll be interested to see, you know, and I'll be interested to see as people utilize the pass mechanic, if they find lists and play strategies that revolve around not necessarily having to use the pass mechanic, but um, getting some good advantages by using the pass mechanic. Like a, like Bosk lying in wait. Yeah, yeah. If you had fewer acts and you wanted to give, you know, oh no, go ahead, give me one more aim. Yep, it's just an extra aim, right? So, yep. yeah, there's some there's some things that I think it could be utilized very well, um, and I think we'll continue to see that as people experiment with it and and all of that. So, yeper. So that's I think the major huge swathing changes. Um, everything else that we're going to kind of bullet point real fast, rapid fire changes. Um, these are all little. Quality of life changes, like I, is what I call them. So, one of them, um, compulsory vehicles do not get wounded if they can't make that full compulsory move anymore. So it used to be that they would smash into a building and then take a whole bunch of wounds. Uh, that is now no longer the case. Now you are, and you would think this just de-incentivizes you from having to do that full compulsory move. There is going to be a forum change that they did say that your first priority when you're doing a compulsory move is to be able to make that full move. And then if you can't do that, you're not going to be penalized with wounds when you don't make that full move. So it's not completely compulsory moves don't matter. It's, it's not that. Um, then another change is that miniatures are going to be able to exit the battlefield and come back in in that if they do so in one move. So, this is to say you can do if you're, you know, this is mostly for like, again, compulsory vehicles. If they were like trapped at the edge of the battlefield, if your T-47 was left where you were accidentally pointing toward the edge of the battlefield on your last move. And your most valid option would then be to do a compulsory move where you do like a 90 degree turn that would take you out, but then back in the battlefield. Now legal. It will not kill you to do that. Um, another thing that I've actually that we have already uh, done it with is we had a building that was tucked up against the corner of a, like the corner of the building was tucked right up flush with the end edge of the battlefield. And we had a unit that snuck their way along the edge of the battlefield up to that building and then dipped out of the battlefield and back in on the other side of that building, which I thought was a nice little, uh, you know, that's a, that's a cool move. Um, I think everyone's going to have to be aware that that kind of stuff can happen if you're going to an event or something. Uh, keep in mind that if your opponent's moving towards something that you don't think they're going to be able to walk around it, uh, they are now. So be aware of that. Uh, another few little things. Uh, deflect. Deflect no longer works in melee. Deflect no longer works as a means of just getting surge to, like, it doesn't just mean getting block anymore by spending a dodge. Uh, deflect is only going to be against ranged attacks. So before, you know, Vader and Luke used to go head to head, clash, smack their sabers into each other, and they could spend dodge tokens not to reflect back damage, but they could at least spend the dodge tokens in order to turn their surges into blocks because they don't naturally surge. Uh, now they're not going to be able to do that because if you're in melee, you need to, when you spend that dodge token, you're still going to cancel the hit. But deflect is now worded in such a way where 
it is only going to work when you are the target of a ranged attack. Because before the wording of it was still technically that you could get those blocks, but you wouldn't reflect any damage. Now, you're not going to be able to do any of it. So, lightsaber battles are now going to be a little bit quicker. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the the Gar saber users went up in value because of their lightsaber mastery forms doing different stuff, and uh, Grievous also went up in value a little bit because he still has block. Yeah, I I like that change just um, in in the fact like you just mentioned the the saber users as we're getting into the special styles and forms that they use um, those are going to be more valuable uh, yeah. just innately because of the way that rule works which I like I think that opens up some design space again to make those forms more unique and allow for certain things that are a little different than the normal rules. And again, like you said, especially like Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan feels much better now with that change because he's one of the only ones who actually gets to add that surge, um, both at ranged and in close combat. So my problem with it, and this is just from a thematic standpoint is when I imagine a lightsaber battle in the middle of a battle. I want that battle to take the whole time. (laughs) I want like, I'm picturing Luke and Vader in the middle of the battlefield by turn two, and they're going to be saber locked until the end of the game where one of them finally comes out victorious. And that's, that's thematically what I love. Um, Whereas now this is going to be much quicker. This is going to be like more, realistic and less Star Wars-y lightsaber battles where somebody's going to make that mistake real quick and your lightsaber's going to cut them straight in half. <laughs> so it's going to happen a lot quicker. It's going to be uh, high damage and less uh, less being able to block it. So it's going to be the high damage swinging glass cannons kind of uh, in in those cases. Yeah, I also think it adds some more value to those um, close combat units like the Wookiees, the Royal Guards, the Mega Guards, that kind of thing. Because now they're going to take out their targets even quicker. Yeah, getting into a Saber user um, is going to be really good for them rather than having your army shoot at them. Um, So I'm going to pretend Sabine went up in value because she melee – I use her to melee against force users, and she naturally surges on defense. So yeah, I I'm mean, just that gonna pretend she goes up too. in value. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of, in you know, in a roundabout way, you know, Sabine does like any of the Mandos do because it's not quite as easy for all those saber users to have that you know surge to block as well. Right. Whereas those Mandos are getting it all the time. So yeah. So. Um, another change, this one said to my soul, um, you are not going to be able to start the round, start the game, uh, like round one, already in base-to-base contact with an objective token. So that means big scout moves where you scout it all the way to be touching a box. Uh, that means infiltrating onto the middle box or infiltrating onto evaporator, now no longer legal. You are not, those are not legal moves that you can make. You will have to get, you know, an inch away from those, but not touching it at the start of the round. Um, 
I can see why they don't want this to feel like a feel bad, like where I successfully infiltrate my gin on top of the middle box, grab it, and then run away before you have the chance to shoot me. But in practice, I usually, I, I will win that one out of ten times when I do it. <laughs> Every, like, nine out of ten times, if I'm infiltrating Jin on that middle box, go first and then say, activation one, or action one, grab box, action two, speed two, move toward my deployment. I can promise you my entire opponent's army is stepping up and shooting and Jin is dead. Like, nine out of ten times. It's very rare that I ever do that, and then it pays off. Now, I still do it because I'm a rebel-playing gambling fool, and I might still do it and just infiltrate her an inch away and then, you know, speed one move, grab, and then just hope she, and then pray she lives on the center objective and then turn two, do two speed two moves. Uh, I can already prom- I can already tell you that that is not going to work. Uh, I, it, it, or it's going to work significantly less times than the, like, one out of ten times that it worked before. So, likely not, not, not going to do it as much. I say likely because I'm not going to rule out that I will probably do it at some point anyway, depending on the board. But, yeah, infiltrating onto VAPS is something I would always do, and I always love doing that, and now I can't do that either. Yeah, it, it definitely takes a little bit off of infiltrate and those, especially those long scout moves, getting up to scout three, um, especially on things like VAPs was really nice, right? Because you could start on a VAP that right. you put just outside of that range one of your deployment, and now it's just like, is it even really worth it to get up to scout three? Is it necessary most of the time? Right. Like probably not. If you you can't get all the way to where you're going and before. Is it as worth it? Right. Yeah. Scout one is probably fine because you can scout one and then you can still be within one move of the VAPs and things like that. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting. I I'll, I'll be interested to see again on that one as we go how much, um, if that one was really needed or not. Yeah, that'll be one to watch when you're in events as well, because if your opponent's doing that, you got to be able to be like, eh, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you a little bit more to get that close that fast, buddy. Yeah. So I'm going to have to remember that when I'm playing with the, when I'm playing with Jin again. And then... I actually no, I think that's that's pretty much what I have as far as the uh the major changes that you should know based on this new intel. So um overall, uh I do feel like I said before, I do feel like the game is a little bit more intuitive and streamlined with these changes. I don't love what some of the changes did. And but with um it, but from a standpoint of me being a new player who never knew the old rules, I like these rules. I li- like scaling, climbing, you know, the things we said we didn't like the changes to. If I'm coming in as a new player who didn't know the old way, I like it. It's not bad. It, it works. It's cool. Um, the one that I come in as a new player and, and, I, and I come in not liking it is still those vehicle drawing line of sight rules. Yeah, yeah. That's I why I can't agree. say I can't redeem it because it's like it's not like you changed it from something else to make it this, and and you know the people who hate it hate the change. It is that, but it's also that even people who are learning this for the first time are like, "Wow, this is stupid." 
And like every, literally everyone I've shown this to, whether they're a vet or a new player, say it's a dumb way to do line of sight. Like nobody likes it. I don't know anyone who likes this, <laughs> who likes this method of drawing line of sight from vehicles. If you're one of those people, message me just so I can say I know somebody. And then explain to me why you like it better. <sighs> but yeah. So um, anything else on uh, rule changes, Paul? No, I think you pretty much covered what's going on. A- again, uh, quite a few changes. Some of them pretty minor. Some of them uh, a little more polarizing, <laughs> for sure. But... Uh, it, it won't be the last time something changes, so well. And it's of, and it's of course like two months before Worlds, which is what I hate. <laughs> yeah, that that is really interesting. The the timing of it, um, especially considering you know the the big event coming up, and you know we just had LVO too. That's another big event. Yeah. Um, it, I'm a little surprised on the timing of the change. I would think it would same um, month. Yes, yeah, same month as LVO. Not even two months before Worlds is the big gripe. The same month as LVO. Yeah, so, I, I'm a little surprised yeah. that it wasn't you know later in the season, like later in the year that they came out with you know like maybe the fall or something where or right after Worlds. Yeah, that's yeah, what or, I would like. Honestly, if it were if I were like getting ready for it. Spend two and a half more months of polish and then release it right after Worlds. Yeah, Say, like, that, like what everyone just played was the end of an era of Legion, and now start of a new season, start of a new game. Yeah. Not griping to say that when they released it was bad. It just feels like pressure for the people that are going to majors like LVO and Adepticon and Worlds and stuff where it's like, okay, now I have to learn all this new crap right before I go. Otherwise, I feel like I'm going to get gamed. Right. So, yeah. I don't, I don't love what that part causes. I do love, you know, I'm, I'm all for uh, hashtag new year, new game. Love it. Um, but, yeah, it just created some really weird interactions with LVO and Adepticon where it's like, oh, crap, I have to relearn this game and all of its core, like, and all of its core mechanics because so much has changed to where my tactics need to be down pat and and I need to know every, how everything will interact to and from my list before I go to this major event where people are going to know the rules all inside and out. And if I don't, I feel like I'm going to get gamed. I can already tell you, Paul, I already feel like I'm going to get gamed when I go to Worlds. <laughs> There's going to be something. something someone's going to do something and I'm going to be like, ah. God. Yeah, I mean, th- there's going to be people who have, you know, played many reps with the new rules. And I'm trying. I'm actually yeah. getting in a game this week with my uh, full 800 list. I, I, so that'll be that'll be fun. I got to test out a couple things because I got to figure it out. But um, meanwhile, while we're before we move on from uh, major events, while we're talking about it, LVO, LVO was. I'm not a com- I'm not a huge competitive person. You know, Paul, we are not big competitive people. We are big, thematic, fun, casual people. I absolutely was, my jaw was on the floor, and I was no less than elated to see the lists that did well at LVO. Because there was, 
and I'm and I'm discrediting first place Blizzard Force. You know, screw that. I don't care about that. That's exactly what I expected. That's competitive. That's okay. Move. What I more wanted to highlight was that 501st, that list that everyone, that Battle Force that everyone says is bad, doesn't play good, isn't good enough, made second place because it was played by a very skilled player who knew the insides and outsides of his list. There was, we talked about it earlier, Dave Grant, the People's Champions list. If you haven't heard this list already, strap it, strap in for this because you've got, you, you've got a new list that you want to try at least once or at least watch it played because it was on, uh, Yavin Base's stream. So you can actually go back and watch this list get played if you're, uh, if you're curious, but I've got the breakdown here. It is 792 points. Six activations. And you think, oh my god, that's the lowest act count in an 800 point game I've ever heard. You're right. It probably is. And you'd be surprised how often it won at that event. <laughs> uh, it was, for anyone that says, you know, 10 acts or nothing, step aside. Your logic is flawed because this guy did, this guy did hella work with this list. So it's the Empire. Of course it is. Emperor Palpatine. With Force Push, Burst of Speed, Anger, and Improvised Orders. Commander Vader with Force Push, Force Choke, and Burst of Speed. The Occupier Gav Tank with Governor Price and an HQ Uplink. One unit of Snowtroopers with a Med Droid, Portable Scanner, and Concussion Grenades. And then two Snowtroopers with just Med Droids and Concussion Grenades. 792 points. Read them and weep. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun list. That is, it was a super fun list, and I and I was talking to somebody like while I was watching that first round of uh on Yavin Base's Twitch where they showed Dave Grant playing against uh I can't even remember who it was now sadly so if you're listening I apologize but um I was watching that and and he moved he moved the Gav tank up he had uh Palpatine pull the strings Vader out of the tank and then Vader was able to move move up onto terrain. And lightsaber Aiden, who was up on the center of like the center point terrain, so Vader went from inside the Gav tank, inside deployment, to on the middle of the board on height, and attacking his commander all in turn one. And I was like, I feel like I'm watching like a magic show or like the Harlem Globetrotters or something right now. Like I feel like I'm witnessing skill at its highest level. That was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's got some really interesting things and I I'm glad that uh he took it because I am too. how how long um have people talked about, you know, really low activation count lists and that, you know, there's no way that they can work and you pretty much just get laughed at if you don't take a certain amount. I mean, they, I remember there being a time where you know, if you weren't taking at least nine activations, people just said you were doing it wrong. Right. And now you can you can say that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Or even everyone's saying, you know, with the new rule changes, Gar is dead. And I'm like, from day one, before we even got these rule changes, I was telling you, Paul, like, on the it's recorded. I was telling you the second coming of Gar could be upon us. Because there was a lot that I felt was going good for Gar 
than I feel like was going against it. You know, there was there was the change to Padme's or to Exemplar. So Padme and Anakin's token sharing were like they needed line of sight now, I think was the I think was the change. So there was a lot of griping from, oh, now Exemplar's not good. Oh, now Padme Saber Tank isn't a viable list. Oh, you know, none of this is good anymore. We, oh, you can't share standbys. That was the other thing. So that's why yeah, yeah. that was what it was. You can't share standbys with Exemplar anymore. So, and, 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 you know, everyone just went off the deep end of, oh, these new rules ruin Legion. And, oh, Gar is dead as a faction because we can't share standbys anymore. And if, uh, if I'm making fun of you and with, with saying that, uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, at the same time, I'm also not sorry because you have to calm down. You're part of the problem. <laughs> you're causing, you're causing the panic that uh, the new players come into this community and see everyone griping and complaining about the game. And, uh, you're not, you're not making the game look good. Neither are they in some cases, not, neither is AMG in some cases, but that's, that's a different debate. So. But I, yeah, I was just getting tired of seeing people like, oh, you can't do this in the game, and oh, this is dead, and oh, you can't do this, and this is bad, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm so tired of hearing those lists, or like those people, because absolutely, you can make what you want work. That's, I've always tried to teach that as my most favorite lesson in Legion, is the game's gonna always be in a good enough state where anything you want it to be, anything you want your list to be, you can make it work. Dave Grant, six activation Palpatine Vader. He didn't win LVO, but he sure got in the top half with, I think, undefeated on day one. So it can work. Uh, there was the 501st making second place. The 501st Battle Force that everyone says is bad and unplayable made second place because that guy knew his list, knew it well, knew how to work the ins and outs of it really well. It can work. Um, and another example, uh, we had a skirmish event recently. I haven't even talked about this yet. Uh, we had a skirmish event recently where we all did with the new, it was like relearn skirmish. That was January's event. It was like relearn Legion. And we did it through skirmish because most of the people that actually show up only have enough to really play 500 points. So there was only so much, but my buddy Josh um, brought a four activation clone list, uh, and he went and he went back to back wins against two seven act lists without ever passing once. So, activation count is also not something that you should be thinking. I have to have this number of acts, or else I'm not good, or else I can't do it. Um, he was out acted, activated by three activations in both of those games and still managed to get, go undefeated through the day. Um, and then it's not like the most greatest example, Paul, but you and I have both want, like, I'm not like just saying this to toot our own horns, but just to throw at least some more kindling on the fire, if nothing else. If everything I said before were logs, this is at least kindling. Paul, you and I have won events with lists that nobody has ever, like, nobody has considered an archetype before in, uh, like, in the, comp in competitive play, like, whatsoever. Um, both, both of which in Muncie, I, I should, I should even say. Um, you won your, you, you won that event with, like, three ATRTs in a world where nobody was ever 
thinking of even bringing an ATRT, or if they did, they brought one. And uh, and you won that event with three. Yeah, yeah, and I I I appreciate when people just bring stuff because you know they want to run it. Um, it's it's fun. It's different. It's you know, yeah. it's it's trying to break the rules a little bit. The the unwritten meta rules that you know people come up with and you know say this is the only way to play this game and you know so i i always appreciate people who play their way right and right and and have a good time with it so uh and i and yeah i was gonna say and then and i uh won my i won my world's invite with ladies night which is never ever been a list that anyone would ever play um and I honestly feel happy that I've like put it on the board where I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say like it's this archetype everyone knows now, but I have had people reach out to like where I felt better and felt good about it was people have messaged me on Discord and said like I'm gonna try Ladies Night tonight or like I'm gonna or, or, I want to try Ladies Night like Leia Jin Sabine like what are your recommendations What are your thoughts How do you do it and like they have a whole bunch of fun with it. And I'm like, this is awesome. I love that. I love that you've done that. And, uh, so I'm, and no surprise, uh, it's what I'm going to bring to worlds. It's not what I brought to Gen Con last year because I wanted to play something different. Uh, but I am going to bring it to worlds, uh, because, uh, it's not because it's the best list, uh, but because it's the list that I won my invite with. And I knew back when I won the invite, I said, I don't know what state the game is going to be by the time I get to Worlds, because I was going to hold on to my invite and play in 2021. And I was going to be like, okay, whatever state the game is there, I'll see if I can make Ladies Night work still. And if I can, then I'm going to play it uh, just for posterity. And then I didn't know it'd be 2023 before I'd be playing in Worlds. (laughs) But I'm still, I think what I'm still going to do is I'm still going to play it and just I'm making a few tweaks and modifications to it right now, but at its core, it's more or less going to be the same. And I'm just going to try and make it work, and I'm just playing it for posterity. I've told people before, I'm not looking to win worlds. I'm not even looking to advance. Uh, I'm honest, and I'm kind of hopeful I don't advance, honestly. I'm not going to throw games, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm not going to try to make day two, <laughs> necessarily. I'm just going to go out, play three games, have some fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, talk to everybody from the Legion community who's there now. But ultimately what I'm, what I'm getting at is pick the things that you like to play, pick the things that you want to play, just pick the things that you like. And if you play it enough and make enough tweaks to it, you're going to find that you have a really solid list that you can make work. You can make do what you want with it. If you want to take a completely off-meta list to an event or even to a major, you can really do some work with it. LVO was the biggest uh, Legion event that I think has ever been on record uh, to date. I think it was 144 players, and I think that's the biggest one to date. I think they were saying that. Uh, And, you know, that six-act Vader-Palpatine tank list went undefeated day one. And it wasn't to, like, push over people either. So I mean like you can bring some jank even if you want to if you want to go so far as to call it jank I know we like to call it that but um 
you can bring that and really exceed with it if you know if you know it in and out. So it's going to take a little bit more work than say the things you could just net list Blizzard Force. Uh but you know, you can still I think you can you can still really shake up the meta. You can still shake up your local scene with something wild and crazy if you want it bad enough. If you want it bad enough, you can do it. That's always the lesson I want to teach in Legion. That's and I always want the game to be in a place where it holds true. All right, I'm gonna get off this soapbox and I'm gonna put it in the trash compactor now because I don't even know. I, this didn't have soap in it initially, so I don't know what kind of box it is. But anyway, uh, as far as I can tell, Paul, that's pretty much everything we were gonna talk about today. You know, unless you had any inspiring words for running the things that you like. <laughs> no, I mean, I would just encourage people to keep doing that. Play play what you enjoy playing. It it makes for a good time. The um, if, if anyone wants to know it real quick, Josh's four activation gar list that went undefeated that day. Very tanky, chonky list. Uh, it is Yoda. Yoda with hope. Force Barrier, Force Reflexes, and Lead by Example. And then one Phase 1 unit with the DP-23 Shotgun, Phase 1 Clone Captain, and Up Close and Personal. A Phase 1 Clone Trooper with Fives. And then a Phase 1 Clone Trooper with a Z6 Extra Body and Targeting Scopes. Uh, 498, four activations. And everyone... Loves this list. <laughs> this got this list got really popular when I started posting about the skirmish events, and I was like, a four act list beat two seven act lists, and was the only list that went undefeated that day. And everyone was like, "Give me that list, let me see it." And I would post it up, and everyone was like, "Man, that is that looks crazy." And the thing is, Josh really loves Yoda, and he so he's been playing a crap ton of Yoda, and then those clones. Aside from the one that just has fives in it, those those clones are decked out with some upgrades, which is what we were talking about, Paul, last time we were saying, like, this is going to be this, like these are kind of in, these changes are kind of incentivizing you to bring those fewer acts, but then to chunk them up with more upgrades and stuff like fill them out, make them more elite. This list, I think, is a great example of what we were talking about last month, where you can really bring a you can bring a fewer act count and you can make it good, make it quality. Make them each, you know, loaded to the brim with upgrades or, you know, even half loaded is fine. But give everybody some quality and some TLC and you can still win. You can still make the game work. You're not you're not limited in what you can do. For sure. For sure. Anyway, we're on the same we're on the same point still. (laughs) So I'll move on. Uh, but that's pretty much all we've got for today. Um, you know, we've got Adepticon coming up, Paul. We can briefly touch on Adepticon. You're going. I'm going. Dice time is going. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of games that are going to be headed in our near future. Uh, some of them are Legion. A lot of them aren't. <laughs> so, um... Paul, what are what are the games that you have in mind for uh, for Adepticon? What should what should people who are going to Adepticon uh, what should they be thinking of when they when they think of what we what we're going to be playing? Games that you can play. Oh man, well, I mean, 
there is a lot going on at Adopticon. I mean, any kind of miniatures game, you can probably find some people playing it somewhere. Um, for sure. I, I for one am hopeful that I will be able to find some time to, to check out some Shatterpoint. Yeah. People are interested in that. I would like, I would like to see if you and I can specifically get a demo game together. Yeah, no, I, I would really enjoy that. Um, I, um, I'm going to end up playing some Legion. I'm going to play in, uh, one of the, like, narrative events, events. There's a guy from Chicago there who runs some narrative events, um, every year. So I'll be playing some of that. Be playing some Lord of the Rings, some Arena Rex, some A Song of Ice and Fire, maybe some Marvel Crisis Protocol. Man, I'm just going to be all over the place, just taking it all in this year. Be bopping um, around. And I'm playing yeah. pretty much everything you just said. <laughs> Except yes, for Lord of the Rings. That's the only yeah. one I'm not playing. But everything you said is what I'm is what I'm playing. <laughs> it's um it's it's one of these years that I'm just, uh, instead of focusing on one game, I'm just going to play a little bit of everything and uh, just kind of in, enjoy my time and, and not not taking anything too seriously this year. Just, uh, again, uh, enjoying it, rolling some dice, having some fun, um, checking out some games, and, again, hopefully checking out some Shatterpoint. Excited to see what that looks like. I'm also excited. I'm hoping we get to uh we can we can do a demo of that and have an epic lightsaber duel where you just di- where you just dice me and kill me and then I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, I, I'm, uh, exci- I'm excited with some of the stuff that I've seen uh, previewed and all of that for the first couple of uh, like uh, boxes and things that are coming out so it'll it'll be exciting to to see some of that because the you know that stuff's usually out and and it has some nice tables and all of that going on so i'm gonna be excited the second i get there because i got one of the i got one of the the swag bags not the oh, not the yeah. vi not the vig bags but i got the swag bag the the in between tier which if you did uh if you tried to get your tickets for adepticon this year like right out the gate I'm so sorry that you had to put up with it, and I had to put up with it too, and it was nothing less than god awful. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't remember it being this bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it being as bad as it was this year for sure. What was that they what should that. have been a yeah what what should have been a five minute process for me turned into like fifty minutes, and I still didn't even get to do the event things that I that like the event tickets that I wanted to do. I had to go I had to go to something and I did not think that this 5 minute process was going to take me an hour. And that's what it ended up taking me. So like those bags sold out in like 45 minutes uh and I luckily got to be one of them, but it would they would have all been sold out in the in like 2 minutes if the website worked right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people trying to get in. I, I think Adepticon's getting to the point where they're going to probably have to go to a new system. So hopefully they get that fixed. They should follow whatever Gen Con does. Yeah, Gen Con system is pretty nice. Gen Con system's so good. Even though way, and, and way more people go to Gen Con. And there's way more events going on at Gen Con than there are at Adepticon. But Gen Con's system that they do is so much nicer. 
and is so much cleaner and is it, I've never had a problem with. The only time, the only problems I've ever had with Gen Con's thing is when I'm buying the events and I'm prioritizing stuff with my wish list that someone beats me to it. Yeah. Even though I hit go right away. But you know what? That's life. Uh, I couldn't have done any better. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm definitely excited to see some people at Adepticon and, uh, pass out some fun dice time stuff there at Adepticon. So, yeah, yeah definitely hit us up if you see us around playing. Cards. I'm even going to bring some mugs. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited to kind of take it easy and just uh, talk with people, have fun rolling some dice, playing some games, just hanging out. It'll be a good time for sure. Hope to yeah. see some even, people there. Even the even the sweaty world's day, I'm going to have a more relaxed, calm day because my competitive goal for Legion was not to win worlds. It was not to make the top 32, the top eight, the top anything at worlds. It was just to qualify and go to Worlds. That's all I really cared about. So I've already done that. <laughs> when I, I did that back in uh, February 2020 when I won my ticket. So competitively, I have no goals for Legion ever again. I don't need to make Worlds every year. I don't need to be the champion. I'm not. I don't have those. I don't have those grand visions of delusion. I don't have those delusions of grandeur. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm already you. done. So I'm just gonna chill out, have fun, play three game, give people three easy wins. <laughs> uh, I, I say that, but I'm, I'm still gonna be trying my heart out. So uh, don't uh, don't don't underestimate ladies' night. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna hopefully just look forward to having some fun, meeting everybody who's gonna be there. This is my first Adepticon, so I'm honestly just gonna be taking insights, playing games where I can, and just having a good old time. So if we see you there, or if you want to see us there, message me, message Paul. We'll figure it out. We'll make something work. We'll see you. We'll get you some cool dice time stuff. We'll say, hey, we'll chit-chat about whatever you want. It'll be a blast. The whole weekend will be a dice time. Paul, any uh, any good words of encouragement or any uh, super, super profound knowledge that you have to share before we uh, before we close out and come back next month. Go have fun. There you That's go. That's a great one. There we go. Go have fun. That's a great inspirational quote. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. Hope you hope y'all had a dice time listening to us today. And uh, when we come back in uh, pre March, we'll do a little bit more uh, road to Adepticon. And we'll uh, and we'll kind of get the pre-game and the pre-hype started for Adepticon a little bit more like we did today. And uh, yeah, we'll just have a grand old time next month. So we'll see you then. Until then, I am Ben Jetron. I'm Paul Watson. Go out and make today even better. Have a great night.